When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. Hey, everyone. How are you? I'm Don McDonald. Over there's Tom Cock. And you just happened to stumble upon a radio show and a podcast all about money. Yes, as the great Cat Stevens once sang, it's time to save some change. Just invest. It's so easy. I don't think that's what he's known for, but oh, that's not the song. Okay. That's not the song. I, don't, I have no idea. You know how kids I know get lyrics Pat wrong. Stevens, you know how not, kids get yeah. lyrics wrong. Well, see, I'm an adult oh, yeah. getting lyrics wrong. I see. Okay, got it's it. Different. Yeah. It's not. Those aren't the lyrics. You had me going. Yeah, it's no. It's actually that. That's the song "Father and Son" from um, "T for the Tillerman." Back in like 1970 or something. You're not. You're. This is not improving your position from where you started. Just I am so old. <laughs> it's just like wow. And, did they have recording devices then? Or yeah, what? and they had. You know what else they had? They had telephones, and you <laughs> can still use it. You can still use your telephone. I know some people don't like to. I discovered that when dealing with Spotify, trying to do some advertising on Spotify, discovered oh. that they don't like the telephone. I called their phone don't number. Call. I, I honestly, call. I called their phone number, and their phone message said, "We don't use the phone." So don't call us. Real that was that was the message. We don't have phone support. Well, then why do you have a phone number to tell you we don't have phone support? <laughs> you luddites. We though have a phone number and phone support. You can call yeah. us and we will talk with you. Actually, talk with you live on Saturdays and then on the podcast other days at 855-935 talk. 855-935 255. So call right now or a little later, whichever. Operators are standing by. An get operator it. is standing okay. by. Well, not good enough. Many. No. It's not like we get that many calls. You don't have to have a bank of you them. You did well last not a week telephone. when I was out of town. Well, you did you know, well. Yeah. I'm not saying anything. I'm not going to not going to even leave it at that. that. That's yeah, smart. I'm leaving it okay. at that. Mr. $100 gambler. No, I, I gambled more than 100. Yeah, but you lost 103 seconds. Oh, I know. Yeah, I think it was like literally one poll. It was. We, let's not. Let's not go. Back oh, I'm going to gonna that, keep okay? going back to that. Uh, anyway, we're talking real money, whether it's gambling in Vegas or trying to invest for your future. And uh, we're also a couple of old guys. We remember back when, you know, the majority of stocks, I think, way back, paid dividends. That was the way you made money on stocks back in the olden days. The stock would pay you a dividend every quarter, and that was the. The, the primary way you make money. It's not that way anymore. It's shocking how few companies. Now, you just looked this up because I, I did. failed to do the research, which I should have. So it's is it 40 percent of companies? 40 percent of dividend? all companies. Now, you yeah, see, that's right. that's big and small. Small companies tend not to issue a dividend. Why is that? Now what, and, and let's oh, make what, sure you want to talk about what a dividend what it, is. Yeah, I think that's important. Because this is money the company's made. They're giving it back to their shareholders, right. That's correct? the whole idea. Okay. You, oh. as a shareholder, 
own a piece of the company. Yeah. And so the company, many companies, bigger companies with steady earnings, believe that you should, and you as a shareholder also believe this, believe you should get some of those profits back in the form of a, of a paycheck. Every quarter, it's called a dividend. It's not interest on a loan or a bond. It's actually a piece of the company's profits returned to you, the shareholder. And this comes up again because Meta has decided to issue, hold your breath, a dividend of 50 cents a share. What wow, it says, really, though, is they're maturing really as a company, though. That, ah, it it okay. does that say that. There is oh, a message right. there. Apple didn't used to pay a dividend. A lot of these companies did. They, they, why don't smaller companies or up-and-coming companies pay dividends? They reinvest the money in growing. Right. They want to yeah. grow the company. Sure. And the reality has been, has been, that those companies that reinvested their earnings in the company have returned substantially more it's pretty remarkable it's a lot more money going back to the financial crisis of 0809 if you invested in those companies that have big dividends they've returned about 450 percent companies that don't pay dividends 1200 percent sounds like it's more than twice as much it's almost three times more almost three even though those dividends those dividends were in the that those the big dividends they considered above five percent five percent and up high dividend payer and we'll talk more about this because there's been so many of you that think dividends are somehow a free lunch i just buy the company's issue the big ones make a lot more than you do we'll talk about that in a minute yeah there are some catches to dividends (laughs) Not the least of which is, of course, that bigger return. 855-935-TALK. Give us a call. Tom and Don are talking real money. In medicine, a second opinion might save your life. With investing, a second opinion might save your future. The trick is getting one without a high-pressure sales pitch. Well, I'm Don McDonald, and if you've been listening to Talking Real Money, you know that our goal is to help everyone create a brighter future by investing and managing money better. That's why, in addition to helping everyone on our show and podcast, we are also committed to making our 100% fiduciary advisors at Appella available to help everyone make the best financial decisions based on science. So if you're being pitched a financial product or a system, make sure you get a second opinion with no cost no obligation, and no annoying sales pitch by going to TalkingRealMoney.com or call 800-386-3004. That's 800-386-3004 or TalkingRealMoney.com. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. Today's show is paying a real dividend. In that you're learning about dividends on this special dividend episode. I'm Don McDonald. Tom Cox over there. You're there. Our phone number is 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And dividends are really important. And in the past, they were even more important. But the reason, one of the reasons is because dividends are a big part of the total return of the stock market, of stocks. And this is so important to, to bear in mind because... The, the fluctuation in the price of stocks is often misused by people selling things, like indexed annuity salespeople. They'll say, oh, look, the stock market didn't recover in the, in the Depression for 50 years. 
Well, that's a lie, actually. That's that's misusing the data because they just look at what the number was for the for the Dow or something. They, they don't, don't look at the effect the, yeah. of the dividends. Yeah. And bear in mind, according to Robert Schiller, from the 1870s to the 1950s, 80 percent of the return of the stock market was on account of dividends, was from directly shocking. from dividends. Yeah, so capital appreciation played a very small role. That has been definitely reversed since then, really. I mean, because you look at, you mentioned, we mentioned how much non-dividend-paying companies have made versus dividend-paying customers. My worry about all of this is people believe if you buy big dividend payers, you get something for nothing. You're getting you're getting this benefit, and why don't I just own those stocks? There's there's mutual funds and exchange traded funds that are divid that are big dividend payers, right? Mm-hmm. They buy those firms, um, and I always worry that that people don't pay they don't pay close enough attention. Number one, generally speaking, you can argue with me if you like, and I know you will. Uh, me argue with you? Speaking, oh, that when when the dividend is paying out, generally doesn't the stock price adjust to the fact that they paid that dividend? Yeah, because you see, as a company earns money, that money goes into the company's value. And then when they pay a dividend, they adjust the value of the company. It's called a company going X dividend. So the uh, the stock price will be adjusted down by the amount of the dividend because that dividend has been accumulating, accruing to the value of the stock. Now, let me ask you another question. If a company's stock is at $50 a share... And it goes to $30 a share, but they keep issuing a same similar size dividend, a couple bucks or whatever it is. Doesn't it appear to be a high dividend payer then that I want? Yeah. And that's one of the misleading notions about dividends and high dividends. High dividends often are just um, a, well, they're, they're, they exist because of the company trying to make themselves appear more valuable when they hit tough times. They try not to lower their dividend because as they are in trouble or struggling, the value of their stock goes down. But if they keep their dividend up, they often keep investors enticed. If they were to reduce their dividend, uh, then the stock could really plunge. Then there's some cases of major companies where the price has gone down a lot and they keep issuing the dividend. Kind of to the detriment sometimes of the the company itself, right? They're still paying that out because they want to keep people interested. But that's sort of the short term thinking of of capitalism, quarter by quarter, rather yeah, than looking at the longer haul. Thinking. Yeah. So, and here's another one that that I see often in people that are managing their money in retirement is, hey, just turn the dividends on, put those in my account, I'll spend them. Now it turns out, and we'll talk about this at retirement that the better approach is to leave those in the fund, reinvest that, and then use a total return strategy where you rebalance things at the end of the year or whatever to create the cash. That turns out to be more sustainable than taking the money that a company has paid out directly and putting it in your pocket. Well, and that was illustrated by the number we talked about earlier, the the difference between the total return from 2009 to today between a portfolio with 5% dividends or better versus a portfolio that didn't pay dividends at all, the difference is almost 
a triple. So you could take you you could have, we don't know about the future, but you could have taken a lot more income out of your twelve hundred dollar port or your twelve hundred percent portfolio than your four hundred and fifty percent portfolio. Big difference there. So again, I would not be running out and be buying high dividend paying stocks. I would not be running out and buy exchange traded funds or mutual funds that use I call it gimmicky, this we only own the high dividend payers. I would rather be more diversified as well, because if it's somewhere around a half of all stocks even pay a dividend, I'd rather own all those stocks. I want greater diversification and therefore what has to be less risk because you're owning more of something. Right. And that's why we are big believers in using your entire portfolio as a means by which to create income when you get to the point in life where you need an income stream from your portfolio. You don't adjust the portfolio to create the income. You create the income from the properly built portfolio that you've been using all along and tweaking as situations change. I love that. I'm going to steal that for retirement. That's good. You can borrow that all you want, sir. Okay. Just all yeah, you so. want. Plus, trying to buy dividends really limits your universe uh, in it, at least in smaller companies and the like, because uh, although with the S and P five hundred, seventy five percent, seventy five percent pay dividends. So with the big company stocks, you're going to get some anyway. But the average dividend yield right now is just two percent. I know it is kind of it. It is low, but it's been low for quite a while. It's been now. low f- since yeah. two thousand nine. Yeah. We're, so you haven't seen companies, maybe even further back than that. I mean, because well, remember, we, so we much did, of the capital gain came. We did get yeah. up into the five, uh, let's see, we we snuck into the three plus percent right around the right around 09, somewhere in there. Uh, but yeah, the, you're right. The, the, the longer term, going back to about uh, 1990s, uh, has been for, for gradually declining dividends. Something to know, something to pay attention to? Maybe not. Again, you're going to own all those companies. Somebody pays you a dividend. That's great. Roll it back in, buy some more shares, do whatever you can, and uh, get on with your life. And the other reason you don't want to just chase dividends is you end up with an unbalanced portfolio. Good point. You end up with a portfolio that's heavily invested in whatever companies likely haven't done as well. You're going to... Which I guess it isn't bad. You're going to end up with a lot of value stocks, which have done but, pretty well over but time. Yeah, you're also going to end up with a lot of high dividend. Some of the highest dividend paying stocks are are have been traditional slow grows or no grow, like utilities. Definitely, they pay high dividends, but they don't sure. grow. Yeah, because they don't the have anywhere to much. grow. Yeah, there's nothing. There's no opportunity the way there would be with unless you're a utility in Texas, I, th- I guess, since they have like five thousand of them, all competing. Did they manage to supply share. electricity through the they winter? <laughs> they did it. They've so far this they year. Haven't. Yeah, so, so far, far this it's year. worked out. Okay, all right. I feel good this to know year. that because hasn't always worked. You're not going to live in Texas. Way. No, I am not going to live that. We could we can put that uh, alone right through no, that one. Never ever say never. I didn't say never. My wife, when we got married, she told me just before we got married, there were five states she would never live in. Oh, which are? What number one on that list was the Florida. Great. 
<laughs> where she's now resided for oh 30 quarter years of a century or yeah. something yeah, yeah. okay yeah okay. so okay. never sure. say never That's 855-935 talk is our number 855-935-8255 would we like to talk with you yeah we would because it's our favorite thing to do so call right now 855-935-talk tom and don are talking real money for your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Once again, our phone number, 855-935-TALK. Give us a call like Dennis did. Hi, Dennis. Welcome to the show. Morning, gentlemen. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can, sir. Thank you. Oh, pretty good. Um, over and over, I hear from friends, you're not keeping up with the cost of inflation um, we sold off some of our rentals that yielded about 600000 two years ago, and we got CDs around 5.5%, and we just closed our last rental, and we're going to get about 800000 So total about a million five. and they, I get asked, oh, what's the plan? I, we love the CDs um, at this 5, 5.5%. I hear the Fed may be lowering. I don't understand this not keeping up with the cost of inflation. It sounds like just proper budgeting. You know, if you're going to get, in our case, seven, 8000 a month just in CDs, what's wrong with living like that? I can't imagine buying stocks that yield higher because I don't a lot of, you know, we're in our upper 50s. Don't people want to live off this money? And we did it because when we die, we want it's easier to give the kids instead of properties to have to deal with um, liquidity. Is there something wrong with this line of thinking? I can't imagine buying any kind of stocks or you're talking about stocks that have dividends and hoping for, you know, the company to do well, unless it would yield so much more than this 5%. Now, first of all, I don't uh, CDs. I can't even play them in my new car. So I just hate it. I mean, I have all these old CDs. And... Oh, I knew there was going to be a bad joke. <laughs> all right. Now, all joking aside. OK, oh. but let's just let's go back and talk about. Hey, no, attention. we're sending him of... back to Vegas. <laughs> I Listen, I've been warming up for the bad jokes for retirement. I've got a long oh. list to torture you. with. Oh, fine. Now, um, now people are going to start canceling. <laughs> Probably so. So, OK, but let's just go back and look at just basic returns of different types of securities stocks going back well a hundred years or so have made about 10 percent a year bonds going back about that same period of time have made a little less than half of that cds have made less than that so if you're saying which why would i want to own stocks or a you said a stock first of all don't own a stock at all own a globally diversified portfolio but if I had a portfolio and I was risk averse and I said, well, I have $1.5 million in CDs that are paying me 5% and that's enough to pay for my lifestyle and I don't care about appreciation, then that's fine. I'm just simply looking at over the long haul, my portfolio will do better than yours. Should. Should. Mm -hmm. Can't guarantee that, but it has because I have yes. a lot in stocks that have appreciated far greater than a CD. We don't know anything, by the way, Dennis, about the future, about what the Fed's going to do or don't. Just read a great piece yesterday that right. basically everybody's always got that wrong. We've been anyway. But what's your take, Don? Well, my take is you you were talking about you you about a plan. You alluded to that that you didn't have a plan really, and you don't. When you buy CDs, you don't have a plan. You're looking out one year and hoping that the future will be similar, and and we don't know that. 
Uh, CDs, we do know, generally speaking, have not beaten inflation, generally matched it, maybe a little tiny bit over it in some periods. But the fact of the matter is you want, I would hope, to make more so that you can live even more comfortably in retirement. And that's the goal. You're not going to buy individual stocks. You're not even going to buy 100 of them or 200 or 500. We would suggest you buy, I don't know, ten or 12,000 of them and CDs or bonds, both. You cover all the bases, but you need to start. We always start backward. We go, I want to I make that much. And where do I go to get it? Wrong. You want to determine where you want to be in the future. How much money do you need in retirement? How much income do you need your portfolio to generate? Does it have enough to do that today? If that's the case, then you can be relatively conservative. But what happens if CD rates go back down to one? What are you going to do then? You're going to be chasing after something that makes more. Yeah, I think if that happened again, there'd be something I I, I would assume the stock market would have <laughs> come down and suit. It would be a big crash. No, no, like no, another, no, oh, no, 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 no. The other way. No, the, the other, other way direction. around. When interest yeah. rates fall, the stock market have fallen. The stock market has done better. And you would have missed all that. Cheaper. Yeah, so when you're getting 1% on your CDs in this hypothetical time, the stock market's already gone up, you know, 150%. And you're going, well, why didn't I get into that? Exactly. So you oh, need yeah, a portfolio. I be discussing this if the, yeah, if the CDs were at 1%, but now that they're over 5 But you're, But I here's the know. problem, Dennis. You're chasing. You're always following. You can't lead because you'll never know the future. I think for an entire portfolio, this is a mistake. Tom and Don are talking real money. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. During the break, Tom, I was trying to think of a simple way to illustrate the power of a diversified portfolio versus just picking CDs or bonds or stocks or I whatever. Bonds. No, here, I, no, here you go. Shh. Okay. All right. Nineteen twenty-nine. Remember that you vaguely remember nineteen twenty-nine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Kind of getting going then. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, bad year. That was a pretty bad year, and and the, that was pretty bad for stocks for a long period after that. Really bad. Yeah. It's called the Great Depression. It was bad. There was a mutual fund that was started in nineteen twenty-nine. That's the Massachusetts No, it was called the the Wellington Fund, now part of Vanguard. Oh. Started in 1929. Wow, I didn't know that. It's a balanced portfolio. Generally, it's about 60% stocks, about 40% bonds, high-quality bonds. Since 1929 through 2023, that fund has gone up in 74 of the 94 years it's existed. So about... 75% 75% or so, yeah. a little higher, but yeah, and, okay. And yeah. it's a very well-diversified fund. We've got almost 100 years of history, and it's average annual return. Don't tell me. Don't over, tell me. Over that 70 or 94-year period. yeah, 6.5%. 8.82. Wow. wow. Almost 9% in a fund that has 60% in stocks, stocks 40%, and 40% bonds. bonds. That's crazy performance. That's uh, and now, Do you think 94 years of history is pretty indicative of what short in the terms world's of been the like. Earth, yeah. Long in or terms investing. of, you know, our little universe. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. 
So would you have preferred to have your five or four or three and a half percent return over that period of time nice and safe? Or would you have been willing to take a little bit of risk those 20 bad years to have earned 8.82? Or how about some of each? Try well, that. you kind of have some of each in Wellington because you got bonds. Yeah, because you, you got bonds. But if you yeah. really just love those CDs, you could have some in CDs, but something that gives you more growth. I just thought that was pretty interesting that's good. number. No, that's astonishing number. 855-935-TALK. Call us. Lenny, you're up next. Welcome to the program. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. I've been listening to you guys all the time. Thank well, you. the weekend. My question is this, okay? I own uh, rental properties, and I make good rental income. And then I also have three pensions for my late husband, who was, you know, passed away almost 20 years now. And um, I don't really have any bills or anything like that other than the three mortgage, my house and my other two rental properties. The other three rental already paid for. My question is, one of the rentals that I'm thinking of selling right now is the biggest rental property I own, 2,400 square feet. Um, I did remodel it, uh, and it cost me $35,000, and I have a tenant uh, who's willing to buy it, and um, my rental income on that one is really good. That's actually the highest one, 3000 a month. Okay. Okay. And so, and it's been vacant before for 14 months only because, you know, I really, really screen the people that rents it. And this, of all this rental property, this house meant a whole lot to me. Mm-hmm. So in other words, I'm ready to let it go, you know, since my husband passed away and my daughter moved out and so on and so forth. Now, my question is this, okay, will it be wise for me to sell it now? Uh, the tenant is willing to buy it, okay? Mm-hmm. The reason is, it, it, you know, it gives me good rental income. They're always on time, no problem. But my concern is I don't really want to spend that much money down the road when they moved out, you know, to remodel it and fix it. Okay, let us stop. Let me stop you for a sec. Um, what this, Is this one of the houses that is paid for? No, it's not. I still owe uh, 147000 on it. And how much and are you going to sell so it for? Whatever the house appraisal, you're looking at five fifty, maybe 600000 Okay, five fifty to 600000 So let's just say for sake of argument, uh, you end up with four, but then you're going to have to pay tax on that, correct? Mm-hmm. On the gain. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes. And I was told by my, um, my um, accountant that with all the deductions I have, looks like I'm will be paying around twelve twelve percent. Twelve percent on the capital gains. That, yes, twelve okay. percent on the capital gain because I had so many deductions. Okay, on it. all right. We're I'm just trying to get to the bottom line here. Also, yeah. So let's assume, but let's just and, round um, it. To, <laughs> we'll, we'll, Hold we'll on a sec. We're going to take. We're going to have that, to take yeah. a break. Yeah. So we're, we're going to. We, what we're trying to do is try is trying to figure out how much money you could make without owning the house. We'll be right back and try to do that. 855-935-TALK is our phone number. 855-935-8255. Tom and Don are talking real money. 
Do you suffer from hodgepodgeitis? I'm Don McDonald, and hodgepodgeitis is a disease of your investment portfolio whose symptoms include lots of stocks, loads of random loaded mutual funds, and maybe an annuity or two. Most who suffer from hodgepodgeitis dread opening their quarterly portfolio statements. They feel lost and confused. Investing seems overwhelming and the financial future uncertain. If you believe you suffer from hodgepodgeitis, see a 100% fiduciary investment advisor immediately. A proper diagnosis is the first step to creating a portfolio with a purpose based on a personal plan. Start on the road to recovery now by scheduling a free meeting with an Appella advisor at TalkingRealMoney.com. There is no cost, obligation, or high-pressure sales pitch. Take the first step at TalkingRealMoney.com or call 800-386-3004. Hodgepodgeitis is not a real disease, but treating it has been shown to improve mood, reduce fear, and even lead to a brighter financial future. Results may vary. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. Our telephone number is 855-935-TALK. And we're talking with Lenny, who has a bunch of real estate. She's real estate heavy in her portfolio. And thinking about selling a piece of real estate for up to maybe as much as 600 She owes 147 Lenny, question. The $3,000, is that okay. is that a net or is that gross? Is it 3000 a month you get a, in gross. a check? Gross. What's the debt yeah. service on the property? Yeah. How much do you pay a month for the mortgage? And insurance and taxes. Real estate tax. Uh, fourteen fifty two. There you go. Uh, that's fascinating. What, that is the number. You can very likely beat that with an investment portfolio, not have to deal with real estate anymore, or at least that one. You have enough real estate. Get some liquidity for a portion of your portfolio. I think it would be foolish to go back into real estate with this money when you already have so much in real estate. And the math kind of goes like this. You would net out somewhere between three hundred and three hundred and fifty thousand. By our estimation, you could pull twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars a month out of that savings and still have it sustain itself while you're living on that. And as Don said, in a much more liquid manner, a much less complex manner, and in a manner where you don't have to worry about those times when your place isn't rented and all that. So in our mind, yeah, the numbers would work out for you to sell that, pay the tax, pay all the fees, and put that in your pocket and literally live off of it. Oh, okay. So that's what I was thinking, too. And then, um, but the only thing that is kind of like... Um, Thinking, as I was thinking, is like my med, my Medicare premium. Since I'm making six-figure income a year, if I sell this one, of course I understand I have to pay capital gain tax and all the fees. I'm I'm okay with that. Now, also the Medicare premium I will be paying because right now I'm paying 172 a month. I'm 65, and so I was told that. Um, my premium will practically double that. It, it, it won't necessarily. It won't necessarily, Lenny. You 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 have to uh, because again, that's not going to be. That's not a permanent change to your income. It's a temporary change. So uh, it, it 
it may not. It probably won't. You do have to. There are some hoops you have to jump through with Medicare, but uh, even if it does, it'll only be temporary. It will not be permanent. So I would not worry about that. And we really appreciate your call. This is a great opportunity. We believe to get better diversified. Eight five five nine three five talk is our phone number. And Susan, you are up next. Welcome. Hi. Thanks so much for taking my call. We're longtime listeners, and we even follow up after the Saturday show to the podcast to catch what we missed. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Um, you. You're so welcome. The reason I'm calling is still on that theme of diversification. And you guys have talked about this before, but now we're looking at funds where we can diversify heavily concentrated stocks. So those exchange funds and know enough to know that, if we were to buy into one, it would hold our assets for something like seven years. But, but that's about all that we know. So we just want your thoughts on them and how does one go about vetting them? Now, you lost me on the seven. You were talking about exchange traded so, funds. Yeah, you're talking about this oh. being a parking place for seven years. I think that's what Tom's asking. No, I, well, I, I understand it's part. No, it's the idea of. We take our heavily concentrated stock and we put it into a group fund with other people who have heavily concentrated stock in other companies. And so you get diversification by doing that, but you don't have access to your funds. So things like um, you, you get people who have a lot of Microsoft and a lot of Apple and a lot of Cisco, and they all come together with their shares that then gives you that diversification of, of different equities. So some sort of pooled account. I mean, who's putting this together? Well, yeah, what organization? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a pool. Who's doing this? Well, we we're considering doing it because we've got some concentration in one particular uh, stock, and and so we've got super super low cost basis, and we thought yeah, this might right. be a good way to diversify without having to... Without um, having to sell. sell it and book the tax. I get that. But what organi- What business is putting together the pool? Well, that's my question, is how do I find one? I, like, do I go to I a don't know. standard <laughs> custodian? Like, do we go to Fidelity or I, Vanguard? I or? don't know of anyone who's doing that. I'd, I've literally oh. never... No, there are other ways to sell out of a position that way, but I've never heard, heard of a pooled investment like that. Uh, not a pooled yeah. ETF. Okay. No, I don't. Uh, yeah. And I, yeah. I, I'm okay. sitting here trying to imagine how that would be structured. It would because, be very difficult wow, because yeah. if, you put, if we all put our money in, then who pays? The, it just ew, That would be tricky. And the thing well, is, exactly. is that... Seven years, and that's why the, I'm looking to... To find out more about them, I don't think because I, it's because an here's interesting the, idea. Here's the problem. No, it's interesting from your perspective. It is a terrible idea from the IRS's perspective. Yeah, they would be because like, what? here's what's going to happen. If you did all that, you would lose everybody's cost basis somewhere in there. And the okay. uh, and the, I hear and, what you're saying because that's one of the things they they feature. They say you retain your cost basis, and I, it just seems too good to be true. Uh. Well, again, and then where do you come up with the seven years? I mean, that's longer than Don's first marriage. So, no, my yeah. first marriage was longer than that. Oh, okay, pardon me. <laughs> Sorry. Jeez. Uh, yeah, that, in the research I've done, that tends to be part of when they explain how the funds work. 
Um, I know where. Okay, but just to stop okay, you, they're, Susan, they're, where these, are you getting that from? Yeah, where, where I'm finding it. I'm that? finding it. There right. are these things, uh, these pooled investment vehicles. Uh, but what you're going to run into, it looks like, and I, this is just cursory research, but yeah. it looks like these things are going to be ridiculously expensive because they're very specialized. That was part of our concern. What's yeah. your what? Just in a general sense, what percentage of your overall holdings is in one stock? Fifty percent, maybe. Oh, wow! Yeah, that's yeah. something to well, clean but, up. But, There's but, no but, doubt but, about but, that. But 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 there are ways but, to yeah. clean it up. Well, there are other, other ways to clean it up rather than getting into something to really funky, yeah. um, which which is what frightens me. Um, but I, what per, uh, now dollar? How big's your capital gain? I mean, really, what it's what is it going to be? It, it, is it is it something manageable over the course of five or ten years? No. Oh, it's big. It's not likely. It's, it's that much more. Um, it's big. <laughs> well, we're we're ha- we're smiling. We're happy for you because that's it means you made money. Me. Okay. You know what we're going to have to do? We are going to have to do something that uh, we we try to not do, but we yeah. sometimes need to, and that is. We're going to have to look into this some more, but we know you're a loyal listener, so we're going to look into it some more. So keep listening. Yep. Okay? I will. All right. We will. All right. Thanks. Perfect. Thank you very much. I haven't heard about pooled investments for a long time. Uh, Going way, that goes way back. Yeah, I'm just... Wow. So you said expensive. How much How much did they... How much well, I'm seeing that, that just like some of them are talking about a lot of money per share. Uh, yeah. I, I just have to do some. I, I I don't even want to give numbers right now because it looks some of the stuff I'm seeing says really expensive. Um, but I just I have never heard of this. Have you? Yeah, I have heard of it, but it has been a not long in the form of an the, ETF. Have you? No, not in the form of an ETF. Nope, never heard of that. All nope. right, that's what I'm looking for. All right, uh, I mean ETFs are pooled vehicles, but not in the way. No, she not wants like that. It. We'll be back. Tom and Don are talking real money. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. You want to talk I'm some real still money? Looking. You're still, yeah, I'm you're still looking. Still, I am just reading my little eyes out. There are other talk. ways to, to diversify out of a concentrated position, but it will also depend on when, if you bought it all at one time, that's tougher. If you bought it at various times, you can sell some of the lots. There's things you could do to sort of clean that up. But, um, you know, there's a big football game. For those of you listening to the podcast, it was a couple of days ago. But Why are you mentioning it when it was a couple of live, days ago? Because I love these numbers. I find it oh, so you want to, You got numbers. Yeah, oh, I got numbers. Um, numbers. You know how much people spent on chips, beer, et cetera, nachos? A, a, a lot. Yeah, $14 billion with a B dollars. In, in one day? In one day. Really? Yeah. And you know how much they Boy, the markup on, on those must go the up big on the game because we can't say the. We actually can say the Super Bowl because oh, okay. we're not advertising. You're just not allowed oh, okay. to say it because it is called the Super Don't Bowl. Don't come in for the big game. But um, we're not. We're not saying you know here. Here's our Super Bowl you know. special because we don't have one. Yeah, uh, you know how much the wager was on the the game, the Super Bowl. How much was the wager, Tom? <laughs> Is the wager was $5 billion wagered on the Super Bowl. All right. How about that for a couple numbers? And then 
ones you may appreciate even more. The average, the average, average StubHub ticket price right before the game to to walk in and sit down there in Allegiant mm-hmm. Stadium and watch it. Way too much money. I believe yeah. I re- read somewhere it was just yeah. under five figures. The cheapest one. No, nine thousand dollars. Just no, under that's five the average. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, nine thousand yeah. average. Okay. That's average because there's some. I looked the other day. You could buy something down low for eighty thousand. Uh, I know. Really I was talking about close. the cheap seats. Yeah, this is up in the, the three hundred level, and then there's the cost of a commercial during the game. A commercial? Which I what? Think many people. Commercial flight. An advertisement. Oh, an ad. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's like <laughs> seven or something now. Seven million. Yeah. <sighs> I thought you'd. Be, I thought you'd like that. No, okay. I, anyway, know, I big I money, know. talking real money there. Talking, we're talking real money, kind of money. Yeah, yeah. Seven um, million and here and seven million there. I I have gone through like I I've more stuff than I can stand, and I cannot find any way I can't to find do an that. Exchange traded fund. I cannot because I don't know how they would do that. I I do not know how she they might would be do conflating that. the, the what and and the other and thing the that ETF. occurred to me just occurred to me right there is that if yeah. you're putting it in a seven year sort of a pool, well then still eventually you have to pay the capital gains. I don't understand how it would work at the other end of the, of the whole thing. So um, well, but apparently I you maintain your cost basis in the whole new product or whatever that is, but I don't understand how that would work. But the reality is eventually there is no way unless you give the stuff to charity to avoid the capital gain ta- tax. Basically. No way. Yeah. Yeah, unless you have a strategy, you as you put said, it either off. sell it off over a long time, or to if you own if you bought different shares at different prices, then maybe there's some ways to offset gains and losses. Other than that, there's no trick. But I do know this: you can still see us at Retire Meet Ten online virtually Saturday, February twenty fourth. I'll be there. Don will be there. Paul Merriman, Herb Weisbaum, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a great it's a great day. That's the twenty uh, fourth, and you can register right now at retiremeet.com. Now, you can't come and see us in person because that's sold out, that's but sold out. you can virtual see us virtually. And people love that because they can sit around their home and kind of do whatever they're going to do. Or you can line up on the streets outside Maidenbauer. I hadn't even thought about that. You know, Wave just, signs about yeah. how we're evil. Yeah, whatever. We'll take that, too. Evil signs? I don't. Then I don't, don't come. Something. Don't do evil signs. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, go, go to retiremeet.com and sign up for the virtual because uh, the nice thing about the virtual is you can wear whatever the heck you want or nothing at all if that's what works for you. We're not going to know. We're not going to know uh, We're not going to know a darn thing. So go to talk or uh, uh, retiremeet.com. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. 
Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital LLC DBA Appella Wealth is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. I think I need a nap.